Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We're your two old bloggers, been commenting on the Minnesota Vikings for over two decades apiece publicly. Not just privately, but publicly. We've taken our share of arrows back and forth over the years, and we'll take more to bring you our, basically, opinions and our knowledge on this team we love, the Minnesota Vikings. Today, we focus on the bounce back. Your New England, or your Minnesota Vikings, defeated <laughs> greatly the New England Patriots, which was wonderful. It took another fourth quarter comeback to do it. We had uh, some questions on defense, but they had made another comeback, especially off after that uh, just whooping that we got by the Dallas Cowboys. Second theme of the day, we're going to be looking at can that defense be fixed? We talked about it just a minute ago. It was a little sketchy against New England, right? But are, are there reasons why or what will it take for Ed Donatel to get them playing at a higher level? Can he? Our final theme of the day, we'll be looking at K.J. Osborne. K.J. Osborne has made some key catches during this season. Uh, I can think of a touchdown win over Detroit early. And, of course, in the Patriots game, he had that one where he ripped out the interception from the guy's hand because Cook threw it a little short. But has he taken the steps necessary to be considered a wide receiver to you to actually compete with Adam Cleveland? Stop looking at him. We'll find out by afternoon. Climb in the pocket. Avery Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents two old bloggers. Starting now. Hey, everybody. Dave again and Darren over there. How are things in the Great White North, Darren? Snowy again, Dave. Just keeps on snowing. Not cold enough. I've been shoveling like a bastard all week. Uh, but uh, what do you do? Anyway, but when uh, things go like they went Thursday night, can't complain about stuff, David. Just that was just I've been been like in in bliss the past 38 hours or so. So, okay. Well, and happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, American Thanksgiving. We had ours in October in Canada, so it was like over a month ago. But yeah, well, it was good. Uh, I had some good turkey, as usual, the traditional meat on Thanksgiving. Uh, a lot of good normal sides. And of course, I had my pie that I made. It's absolutely wonderful. Had a piece this morning, leftover pie this morning. It was actually very, very good. I figured it's fruit and wrapped by bread, so it's got to be quite nutritious. But it was good. I never did get that FedEx. Uh, <laughs> oh, <the>, uh, <laughs> SR-71 cost $200,000 per flight hour, so I couldn't get quite done. I want to welcome everybody that's watching already. We have Michael Jonas. Jonas is all hyped up because he's coming to the Twin Cities this week. Purple Haze, Bob, welcome to the show. And Purple Haze, thanks for uh, loving the artwork. I have quite a bit and more, and that was only a sampling that's on the Roland. 
Now, school, everybody. School. It is time to get the show started. First thing you wanted to talk about in theme one. is the game. We wanted to talk about the Vikings over the Patriots, and I have up here Mr. Unstoppable, Justin Jefferson. So I'm glad we got this guy. Yeah, Dave, we're in one of those rare weeks where uh, with the Vikings playing on Thursday, well, we don't have a game preview to do. Um, so uh, we'll do the Jets next the, week. That's right. Yeah. But uh, we don't want to get into them too early. So we have to talk about the game that was. And um, a really very critical, when you're very critical win, I thought, for the Vikings. Uh, you know, when everything's going eight and one, everything is awesome. Uh, things are going great. Then we had the Dallas beat, beat down against Dallas. Uh, for the Vikings to have, uh, if the Vikings, uh, you know, everything's going great at 8-1, but then if you lose two games in the span of like four days, uh, the outlook of your season, I think, can can change quite considerably. And so it was really, really important for the Vikings. I was worried as hell coming into this game because I know I've seen, I think we all have, we've seen so many uh, seasons where Bill Belichick just, uh, makes quarterbacks young, good, bad, experienced, inexperienced, and just makes them look bad. And after what we saw against Dallas, I was super, super worried that way we wouldn't be able to protect Kirk Cousins. And even if we did, he wouldn't be able to have a, you know, he would be unsuccessful because Belichick would have a great game plan against mm-hmm. them. The New England defense was very highly rated coming into this game. They but were uh, yeah. Uh, but just a just a huge huge particularly on the offensive side huge huge performance by the offense uh and but if you you know if the vikings had lost this game which they thankfully did not again it could have been a big turning point for the season uh the vikings could have been looking at being this the 2022 version of the Arizona Cardinals if people remember last year the Cardinals were 7 and 0 at one point uh super bowl contender blah 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 but then they go four and six the rest of the way, and they're one and done in the playoffs. They got beat bad by the Rams in the wild card game at home, thirty-four to eleven. And I was kind of worried that that might be the way that the Vikings, if, if they lose this game, things are going to go steamroll. You know, they're going to go the other way, uh, and the Vikings are going to go on a losing streak. But it didn't happen. Really pleased to see that uh, the game plan was much much better by Kevin O'Connell offensively in this game. Uh, very, very pleasantly surprised by how the offense functioned. And again, like uh, with that win, uh, Kevin O'Connell's only two wins away from having the best first season for a Viking. Tying it, at least. Yeah, tying, tying it. it anyway. Yeah, tying it and for having the best first season uh, for a Vikings head coach in history. Uh, and which, which is something, you know, because that, that very, usually very portends to uh, uh, better results even later. So I think it's a good thing. The uh, it, you know, yeah, very good thing is, and we know Dennis Green, second greatest coach the Vikings ever had. Uh, his rookie season, again, it, it signaled uh, a pretty 
a very strong record throughout his whole uh, mm -hmm. 10-year coaching career for the Vikings. The Vikings were always in contention for a division title. Some years our records weren't fantastic because the NFC North wasn't always the strongest. But uh, the Vikings never, except for his last year, the Vikings never sucked under Denny Green. And frequently they were a very good to excellent team. Hopefully we've got the same thing going with Kevin O'Connell, but got to give Kevin O'Connell a lot of credit and the team uh, with, again, with the coming back, when you lose 40 to three, uh, <laughs> you, know, you got to feel that there, it makes you doubt uh, things. Well, and uh, this team, heard, we heard Kevin talk about how when he got to the stadium four hours early, over half the team was there and in uniforms already. They were ready to go. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something that, Something we haven't seen in a while. Um, and it's you've got to credit that to Kevin O'Connell. It's the whole change in attitude and the belief. And we've talked about it before, the coming from behind. And in this game, they came from behind in the fourth quarter to win. But the, the, the ability to do that, the ability to believe in each other, has been key to this season, and it's led to the nine and two record. And this game was kind of we didn't get much going in the running game, David. But overall, uh, this offense, this was the kind of game that the offense looked the way we kind of we wanted them to look from the get go. Where uh, we, we again we did what we've done a lot of times. We scored on our first drive of the game, mm -hmm. uh, but we didn't have that five or six drive drought after that um we we scored pretty consistently throughout the game we got to help with the big kene wangwu uh return for a touchdown but mm -hmm. off offensively the vikings really really uh moved the ball well consistently throughout the game despite the fact that dalvin cook only averaged 1.9 yards per carry and uh, his longest game was probably like five or six yards um so the running right. was difficult but uh, Justin Jefferson was phenomenal, uh, and the Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick was not able to take him out of the game and make the Vikings. He wasn't able to take the Vikings' best offensive player out of the game like he's done so often. And uh, you know that was obviously a big key. Um, I Kirk Cousins, man, uh, this was I, this was his best game of the season this year. You know he he made some real. You got to have it throws at key times. He made that one bad interception, uh, bad decision thrown off his back foot. But you go 30 for 37, almost 300 yards, three TDs. Uh, uh, I read that he had the second highest QBR or quarterback rating ever against the Bill Belichick team in that game. Wow. Uh, uh, he showed some... A really good, I thought, pocket presence and movement, uh, getting away from rush with the times that he was pressured uh, and buying time with his legs, something we're not used to seeing uh, th through through some uh, through some like, again, got to have it really strong throws. And, uh, you know, he looked confident and in control on that game, which is something we don't always see from him in tight, tight moments in big, big games with the bright lights. Well, and normally, you know, when he threw that first interception, it was a bad pass. Um, he, in previous years, would turtle up. And yeah. and then it was nothing but I'm throwing two-yard checkdowns to C.J. Ham, and that was it, right? That was Kirk Cousins. This season, however, that has changed. 
and he's being able, and this has to be the KOC influence, to flush that and go. Why I have fired up here was in that fourth quarter, we're behind, right? Yeah. And he goes up to the line of scrimmage, and he's, besides this year, we've never seen him change plays so much as he ever has in this season. I mean, it's just amazing. He goes up there and, can, 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 right? And he, yeah. and he starts doing all that stuff. But there was one of them he did that, and the clock was running. And he's like, hada, 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 and he's clapping his hands back there and wanting the ball snapped. And um, I think they had to call timeout on that one. I don't think it was a delay game. It may have been a delay game on that one, and the next time they called a timeout. But he was pissed, right? Because he, yeah. he the ball got snapped, and he spiked it in the ground, and he was pissed. He was fired up. He didn't miss a pass after that. He was just nonstop. I am going to beat you right now. Justin Jefferson has a lot to do with that. You look at the album cover art for this, and I didn't post it up here. I'll grab it real quick. Um, it was of Justin Jefferson. Yeah, I don't want to put that piece up because it's hard to see. Let me find the other one. It is Justin Jefferson catching the ball. When he was double teamed, and uh, and he did that all day. He was double and triple teamed all day long, and he defeated it. You know, you talk about contested catches. Oh my god! Yeah, it was just unbelievable, and it was all Kirk believing. Doesn't matter. You know, it was like Case Keenum back in seventeen. Yolo, I'm gonna go. Not not that Kirk goes Yolo, but it's like. Hey, Justin Jefferson's out there somewhere. I'm throwing the ball that direction, and it's working. It is the the willingness of Kevin of Kirk Cousins to to throw these balls when the guy isn't completely open uh, is a you know a difference compared to other years. I think with him and Kevin O'Connell has been encouraging that, uh, which is great. I think that uh, you know another key to to Kirk uh, uh, to this game and in the offensive performance is that. Um, I read where it said that Cousins was pressured. I think on mm-hmm. fourteen or fifteen of his of his of his dropbacks of his thirty-seven dropbacks, uh, which I was surprised with David because it, in during the game it didn't seem that that he was pressured that amount. But I, I watched the game again this morning, and uh, he did have pressure. Now it wasn't the same kind of jailbreak pressure that. They, that happened Dallas. against Dallas, where where he had no chance on so many of those uh, dropbacks. But uh, the, the you know the offensive line did play better, and I got to give them some credit for that. And watching it, um, one of the things that helped was there was a focus on getting the ball out much earlier in this game on the throws. That was definitely you saw a lot more wide receivers screens to running backs and wide receivers than we did in the Dallas game. Um, they weren't all very successful, but no. they did it. Uh, and uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, just the, the Kirk did not hold the ball very long, uh, which and was there was good key. blocking. They did a lot of chipping on the sides to help Blake Brandell and um, specifically, but they did some. They added some extra blocking in there, knowing that they would need it. And uh, who's the Patriots' big uh, defensive end? Judo. Well, it's Matthew 
Judon, mm-hmm. uh, who's, who's the linebacker, and he was was not very noticeable in this game. But you're right, David. There was, along with the quick throws, the Vikings did a few things uh, protection-wise. I, I thought, uh, uh, like you said, uh, a lot of the focus was on Randall. They did not leave him on an island very often. Uh, there was uh, They used the running backs to chip a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. TJ Hawkinson came across with what I call, uh, I think it was called a wham. They call a wham block or something like that mm-hmm. on one play after it was after a running back chip as well. And Ezra Cleveland was helping Brandle yes. a lot. If, if uh, Cleveland, pretty much every pass play, if Cleveland didn't see a guy in his area, if he didn't see this a guy in his area, he was, he, was, he was immediately moving over to Brandel's side and helping out there. Uh, when he saw that he had to come, when he saw that a guy was coming in his area, he would shift. But initially, he was always looking to help Brandel, uh, and that was a big thing. And the Vikings also uh, ran a lot of, you know, they did a little, more, a little bit more misdirection, bootleg stuff. So, you know, going to the right and then throwing the opposite way. Uh, and the other thing that I thought was was important was that the, the, the Patriots. Uh, don't blitz a ton, but they run a lot of like stunts and games. And I thought that the Vikings, uh, uh, their communication on the, that uh, was pretty good in the game. Like you could see where they were working together and uh, and picking up those stunts and giving Cousins just enough time to make that throw. Uh, whereas against Dallas, he was having no time to make any throws. Uh, mm-hmm. So got to give got to mm-hmm. give it up to Chris Cooper, the Vikings offensive line coach, Kevin O'Connell uh, and, the, and Wes Phillips, that whole coaching staff and the Vikings offensive line and running backs and tight ends for just mm-hmm. after getting to completely annihilated against the Cowboys. They played like 200 percent better in this game, even though it wasn't perfect, but it, it was not a jailbreak situation for Kirk Cousins. They gave him time to throw, and when he had some time to throw, he made the Patriots pay. And when I sent you some grades, I was surprised. Who had his best pass-blocking day of the season? Well, I, you know, I don't remember. I don't think it was Ingram. Ed uh, Ingram had his <laughs> best pass-blocking grade of the season. He was... Uh, up near in his up near seventy, I believe it was. But anyways, uh, Michael, you are one hundred percent correct. T.J. Hawkinson has helped this team diversify this team, and the receptions he got at important times, including his first touchdown, has been key. I suspect that Kirk Cousins will develop that relationship even more because we know how he loves that safety blanket and a tight end, and TJ seems to be that guy. I do want to uh, just mention um, quickly that uh, th- this four-game stretch here uh, that the, the Vikings have, have had, which will which will mm. conclude with them playing the Jets, uh, these have been pretty big tests, our big mm. tests for the Vikings' offense. You had Buffalo, the first, the first game, who are currently fifth in points against in the league and third in, in football outsiders DVOA, defensive DVOA. Dallas is first in points against, meaning they give up the least amount of points of any team defense in the NFL right now. And they're ranked second in football outsiders into defensive DVOA. New England was seventh and first, respectively, coming into this game. And the, the Jets, who we, had got, we have next, next week, are currently no, are ninth 
and sixth defensively. So the ninth best scoring defense in the NFL and also sixth in defensive DVOA. Uh, so the Vikings offense is that they've, they've been facing some very tough defenses in the, this four game period. And, uh, I, you know, they passed the test very well in two of those, uh, failed miserably in one. And then now we'll see what they have to do against the jets, um, as well. And that's going to be a tough test for our offense. Right. Too, and, and, the jets, and I'll jets tell you the difference. Purple Haze, I want to, yes, Judon did play. He was held. I think he only got one sack the whole time and he had very few pressures. He didn't get any sacks. There, no, no sacks and uh, very few pressures. And they did a great job of scheming against them. The one thing with the Jets, though, is their pressure comes from the interior. Whereas with the Patriots, it's from the edges. So it's going to be a bigger test. But we will see how the boys plan it. But there was another phase to this game that I want to hit on. First off, I did it briefly, showed this slide. Kenny Nwangu finally broke one this season and we think oh man it's about time he should break more hey it's his third one um in two years and if you look at those rates for those returners kick returners and for devin hester that's kick returns it's not punt returns devin hester had i think 15 punt returns something like that 19 punt returns on top of that devin hester by far is the best returner, flat-out returner there ever was, should be in the Hall of Fame, uh, Cordero leads the league in kickoff returns for touchdowns, but Kenne is making his mark. Now, the whole percentage here, it's early. It's early in, in his career. He's his fastest point. Uh, Cordero is, what, year 10, 12? He's been around a long time now. And uh, since 2014, yeah, so it's or eight 2013. Years. Sorry, yeah, 2013, yeah, eight nine years. Uh, and but- so it's uh, they did well, they aren't the only one. There was the whole Mr. Wright, Mr. Wright was punting like an absolute Hall of Famer yeah. himself. Right? He had a good he had a good game. <laughs> and uh on the one that he got uh that we got the first down because penalty running into the kicker, that first off should get him the acting job of Oscar because he held he was smart enough to hold up that foot long enough and then when it got tapped it was the whole spin and ah you know, the soccer oh, yeah. flop. Um he did well on that. But if even if he hadn't been called on that, that was one of the most beautiful punts of the season. He dropped that in right, you know, within the five. And he was dropping them inside the 20 all day long. Absolutely great. And then you have Jalen Naylor, who there at the end sealed it and had that tackle inside the five. He was not, he's not the primary gunner, um, but he did absolutely great. And the special teams was rocking it. On Thursday, and that always helps when you have that third phase of the football team playing so well. Hey, G Mac, how are you doing? And for all that are viewing that we haven't said hello, hello, Skull. Welcome. Um, And that win led the Vikings to be nine and two, baby. Gotta love that. 
Yeah, and it keeps everything all in play, right? Like uh, it, uh, the number one seed, uh, even if you don't get that, you want to at least be getting the second seed and getting a week off. So you only have to play two games to get to the Super Bowl as opposed to right. three and preferably have one of those at home. Um, so that this win keeps the Vikings in play there and it, it, you know, it keeps the distance between them and all the crappy teams in the, in the NFC North besides us. Uh, actually, by next week, depending on how things go, we could have the division title already wrapped up well and we wanted to get into the standings when it comes to the nfc our magic number is two right so that means a win by us a loss by detroit and green bay right because they're they've basically got tied records green bay's behind because they still got to play tomorrow but it's two okay so Hopefully by next week when we play the Jets, if we beat the Jets, we'll have found out that we've won the division because those two teams will have had their their losses. And so it's as early as next week, which is absolutely fabulous. When it comes to NFC, the conference, we are second. We're at nine and two. The Eagles are at nine and one. They play the Green Bay Packers tomorrow. That's a tough one, right? Yeah. Because people are saying, you got to root for the Packers to beat the Eagles. And I'm like, I can't do that. That's against my constitution. It's hard. Um, But if the Packers do beat the Eagles, then we're obviously tied, but the Eagles on the tiebreaker. Yeah. If the Packers lose, the Packers, that's their one, right? It'll leave Detroit in second place, Seoul second place, and if I remember correctly, and then we wait on Detroit to lose the following week. And so it should be good. So when it comes to the Packers-Eagles tomorrow, I'm rooting for the tie because the tie, even though it puts a half game in there, right, the Vikings still need to want, win that one more than the Eagles to get that number one seed, but it's they can do that with that half game there. It's easier. It makes it clear as day. There's no going to tiebreakers or any of that shit because there'll be that half game. So I'm rooting for the tie tomorrow. That way, I'm not rooting for the Packers. Get me? That's how yeah. I feel on that one. I think GMAC was asking us, like, who has of the of the playoff contenders, who has the the, the worst defense, or maybe that was Dan. I'm not sure, but uh, it was GMAC. Yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, like if it, uh, um, well, you it would be depends on what what like ranking you're looking at, but actually, uh, like uh, Football Outsiders has the Giants as as having a worse defense than the Vikings, if you can believe that. Uh, but when you you look at points points. Against it, 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 you know that's not the case. Right. Um, but uh, so that that would be the only team. But when I look at those two defenses play, and I've watched a few Giants games this year, it's you know eye test tells me the Giants defense is better than ours. But hey, you know uh, analytics, whatever. <laughs> well, and for the the NFC standings presently, Eagles are in first, Vikings are in second. Uh, Vikings have a. Um, Game and a half lead over uh, San Francisco, who's in third. Tampa Bay's further back, another game back. Then you have the Cowboys, who are in fifth, and they would be up there. They're only a game behind us, 
but yeah. they're in the wild card slot thanks to uh, um, the Philadelphia Eagles, and then you have the Giants and Seattle in the mix, or Seattle rounding off seven in the mix. You got the Commanders at six and five. Then it gets Falcons, Detroit, Green Bay, Arizona, and the Saints. Neither, I don't see any of those guys doing anything worth a damn to get there. So that is your NFC North and NFC standings uh, as the Vikings sit in them now. That brings us to the end of theme one, which brings us to our first partner on this show, the one that you see up in the top left-hand corner. That's Badass Wood Art. We're going to check in on what Lewis is doing. This is what Lewis does. He is a scroll saw artist. This one he uses a uh, template. As you Watch your fingers there, there man. <laughs> oh, yeah. His fingers are damn close. And how he hasn't lost bits and pieces of his fingers, I don't know. But if Santa doesn't bring you what you want for your man cave or woman cave, either one, right here you have Lewis demonstrating some of the stuff he does for you. And it's cutting out intricate shapes on a bandsaw, and he gets that going. Scroll saw, uh, electric scroll saw here. And uh, he does absolutely beautiful work. I'm waiting for him to finish so you see the finished product. Bada bing, bada boom. He's got a few more cuts to go. And this is something I would love to hang in my room. Right there, something simple. Just a Norseman logo. Yeah, yeah, very simple. Boom. Wouldn't that look great in your man cave? I think it'd be great. I think Santa needs to bring me that, bring me that this year. I think it'd be awesome. Now, as we know, Lewis, if you want to order for him, he's got everything off right now, 15%. But if you use the uh, CT pocket code, you get 20% off. So if you want to get more than one piece, you get 20% off. That one, and then use the holidays promo code and get 15% off everything else. Absolutely fantastic. That brings us to theme two. And in this theme, you wanted to know how can we fix the defense? Yes. Dave, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know if it can be fixed, but um, after you saw the, at, I think at one point I should have looked this up, but like when you at at one point in the Patriots game Thursday night, uh, Tariq Mike Tarico said that the Patriots had scored on six of their first seven offensive drives, and I believe in the Dallas game until uh, it was in the fourth quarter late, I think. Dallas had scored on every <laughs> offensive drive they had. So in a two-game stretch, I think that our defense had given up points, like unlike it, on ungodly, like it would probably twelve straight offensive drives, if not more. So obviously, that's not very good. Super Bowl contenders generally don't uh, wins, <laughs> don't have defenses like that, unless the, and uh, so worrisome. And you got to think something's got to change. Um, 
the the guy that's on the hot seat with this is Ed uh, Ryan Johnson, our, our guy, at, uh, our buddy at the, the Galhorn site, likes to call him Ed Donachelle, not Donatel. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not the only one. They call yeah. him that on a lot of the blogs. So and, and uh, so, but you look at. It, you look at a lot of the, of the stats, like right now we're 31st in yards given up our defense, 32nd in passing yards given up, uh, 27th in first downs given up. Uh, we've talked oh, about whoa, we were, whoa, whoa. What were we in 20, passing yards? I thought I thought I saw 32nd. Uh, this man would agree with you. He had the <laughs> best day of his career. 382 yards, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. The and uh, the, uh, in the red zone uh, before the Dallas game, we had the stats up about the uh, the Vikings having were the second. Uh, they give up the second most t- touchdowns in the red zone. They got a little better uh, last. Uh, they did on Thursday. On Thursday night, yes, and they did. but New England also struggles scoring touchdowns in the mm-hmm. red zone. So it was kind of like the uh, the irresistible force versus the movable object, and who was going to going to win type of thing. But um, again, we saw a few. We've seen a few comments down there. Okay, how do you how do you fix the defense, or why is it? Why is it the way it is? Well, the the you know the the criticisms I hear is that all he does is play the shell coverage. The, you know the the corners are giving up too much cushion. Uh, we only rush four. We don't blitz enough. The safeties are way back. Uh, Don Donatel has uh, has has uh, come back on that impressor, saying that's not really the case. We mix things up. You just you know it's something that doesn't get noticed. Uh, that's not true. We're always in the shell, whatever. But uh, the the fact is, is that the, the Vikings defense is not very effective in large stretches of the game. Yes, we do make some key stops, uh, and we did in this game when we really needed it. But how about getting stops so that you don't need to make the key stops <laughs> later in the game, right? Uh, but uh, like Bradley says, uh, come to the conclusion you got to accept the men that don't break. I don't think that you're going to see a huge difference in the Vikings defense. It is what it is. Uh, part of the reason might be we've got some, you know, we got some. We're depending on some old guys. We're depending on Harrison Smith in his in his you know early 30s. Kendricks and Jordan Hicks, two main linebackers, they're 30 years old. Uh, but one thing that you've, if if you're when it comes to blitzing more, using more pressure, David, you can't do that. I think when your defense is, when the opposing offense is in second and short and third and short all the time. So the Vikings, if they want to be able to dial up those pressures, uh, like they were able to do late in the game, you've got to be. You can't be have a team get five yards, six yards, seven yards on first down all the time. And in the Patriots game, that's exactly what was happening almost all of the time. Uh, the Vikings were defense was facing a second and three or a you know third and two if it got to third down uh when you get them into third and seven like what happened in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. when daniel hunter made that big sack mm-hmm. you can you force the quarterback to hold on to the ball longer you can maybe dial up a little bit extra pressures like they did when harrison smith had that blitz you know a couple of drives earlier than that that caused uh, an incompletion and caused mac jones to have to get forced out uh, of the pocket a bit uh but uh, if you, you don't win on first down and second down, then your your I think you've got, your defense is going to be handcuffed because they give the offense an easy down and distance to convert. And uh, we've been doing this all year long. Uh, I don't know how much it's going to change. 
We might get some help because Tomlinson and Dantzler will be back, but how much? Like, you know, are they going to make a huge difference? I don't know. David, you you want All to right. jump in there? See, this is where I sort of disagree. We watched this different this defense over the first four weeks or so, five weeks or so, where Ed earned his name, Ed Donashell. They're playing the shell defense, and they didn't look all that great. The communication was absolutely horrible. And then the next few games, they got better and better and better and looked better and better and better. And then that's when the injuries started, right? First, you had uh, the big man. As soon as I find him here. Dalvin Tomlinson, right? He's been out with a calf injury. I think they call it a calf injury. It's lasted well over four weeks. It is uh, similar to a high ankle sprain, I would guess, because that is technically a calf injury. Um, But he's been out those multiple weeks. He should be back for the Jets game. He, even though he's not considered a big pressure guy, on uh, hell there, Davey. Yeah. Uh, a pressure guy as a defensive tackle. He has gotten pressures this year, and he's great against the run. He and Harrison Phillips together as basically the base, because we're re- rarely in the traditional 3-4 uh, base. We've usually got those two guys in and then three defensive end types. Um with Smith, Hunter, and Bottom, Those guys have been doing great, but he's been out so long, right? And not only do you have him being out, of course, we have our starting cornerback opposite of Patrick Peterson, Tiny Dantzler out. Tiny Dantzler was doing relatively well. He'd have a few, you know, brain fart plays during the game, but for the most part, he's doing great. Well, Tiny Dantzler goes out, and so we bring in a Caleb Evans. Caleb Evans, this to me this season is the bright spot for the future. A Caleb Evans, I see uh, eventually inheriting a starting spot, probably after Patrick Peterson retires, but he's not going to retire this year, and he'll be with us next year most likely. He's Patrick Peterson. For an old guy, Greybeard is playing great. So, uh, But both those guys being out is hurt. You know, Duke Shelley's come in, and Duke Shelley's had some good moments, but Duke Shelley is nowhere near what these two guys are. Neither is Andrew Booth, and Andrew Booth seems injured for the 25th time this season. It's not that much. I think it's only five times this season, but again, he is injured. He was injured in college. He is injured now, and that's got to start to be a thing. He's got to get over that injury bug, and then he has to progress because he's not neither as good as Caleb Evans or... Uh, tiny dancers. So once we get those guys back, which should be for the Jets game, right? Next Sunday, no matter what time that game is played, and they're talking about flexing, but um, the defense should get better because I think when they lost those, that's a big one. And the other big one on this that I don't have, <laughs> I inadvertently deleted the screen for. The scene for is uh, Zadarius Smith. We all know how good Zadarius Smith has played this year. Zadarius Smith has been uh, nursing an injured knee for the last few games. That's caused him a little problem. It causes him to come out on occasion. 
Um, if that, if this extra mini buy helps get that better, I think we will see an improvement in the defense. Um, Jarrell was asking uh, <laughs> below about uh, whether, you know, Lewis Seen would have made a difference if he hadn't had that horrific leg injury. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not convinced that he would have. Uh, he wasn't able to take Cam Bynum, uh, uh, take the spot away from Cam Bynum before that injury. Uh, and the way that the bike, again, the way that Donatel uses the safeties, they don't really have a big, like they're not up in the line a lot. Uh, and right, blitzing but we had- or faking blitzing. And, and I just, I just don't think that seeing uh, a, he wouldn't have been playing and B, if he had, he'd be back deep like Bynum and, and Harry uh, are a lot of the uh, times. I'm not so sure about that because there was three, they had planned a bunch of three safety formations to bring in. And that may have brought the nickel corner off the field, which would have been good because that's the weak point on the defense and uh, brought him in and he could have developed that way. But unfortunately he had the gruesome injury and hopefully he'll be ready for next season. One thing about the defense, Dave, that may be, uh, where we could see a, a bounce back for the defense and maybe not so much because they're playing better, but I was a uh, football outsiders again. I mean, they'd take their rankings and analytics, however you want, but uh, they, they did point out that uh, in the first 11 games, the Vikings have faced the Vikings defense have faced the fifth toughest offense in the league, mm-hmm. fifth toughest offense by schedule in the league. Wow. So they're playing a lot of good offenses. Of and uh, as we've seen, they've given up a lot of yards, uh, not a ton of points, but given up a lot of yards, a lot of first down, a lot of passing yards. Through the next six games, they play the 28th toughest offenses you know, by schedule. So the offenses we're going to be facing... It. Yeah, like the Jets in the next week, the offenses we're facing are not nearly as difficult as what we've faced previously. So uh, the Vikings defense, you get Dantzler back, you get Tomlinson back. You're playing less uh, explosive offenses, less uh, you know effective offenses mm-hmm. like the Giants, like the Jets that we're going to get, like the Colts as well. Uh, the, this defense could end up looking a lot better than it has the previous 11 Chicago, games. Green Bay, and Detroit as well. Yeah, uh, but Detroit's offense is actually pretty good, uh, <laughs> I, I think. Um, the, the problem is, so we could see a big drop, a uh, significant drop in points given up, and even in yardage given up by this Vikings defense. And then people are going to say, "Oh, that you know they got it; they're playing better." Uh, but uh, just look at the offenses that we're playing over the next six weeks, and keep that in mind. If we do see like a big drops in the yards we're giving up, and even in the points we're giving up, and also keep in mind that when we get to the playoffs, we won't be facing uh, those we offenses. We won't be facing anymore. bad offenses. We'll be facing <laughs> good ones. Yes, you are hundred percent. But. Right. But hopefully, uh, again, confidence, right? Hopefully, if you if you you know you have a, a good, solid, really the defense really rebounds in the six games, even though they're playing crappy offenses, that belief uh, uh, and that and that uh, belief in yourself <laughs> and the mental stuff allows you to have more confidence and play better in the playoffs, even if you're playing much better offenses. At least that would be my hope. But uh, but. You know, defense. I think uh, somebody else was saying it uh, below uh, that they've shown a pretty consistent level of play, particularly on the past this year. And I don't think you're going to see a huge difference in that this year, unless uh, something crazy happens. And it happens, but uh, you, ex- you expect to still be cursing this defense uh, throughout the season uh, as much as we don't like it. Uh, but uh, if they make 
big plays here and there like they've been doing in the past, then yep. they, you know. And turnovers, turnovers help. And that's one thing that yep. the Donatel defense likes to create is turnovers. I'd love to see more interceptions by uh, Harry, Hitman Harrison, uh, Harrison Smith, and, uh, and of course, Patrick Peterson would love to see him. All the defensive backs, it'd be great to see. And then uh, more fumbles and pressures and sacks. And oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. That brings us to another oh, yeah, baby. Our uh, second partner in this endeavor, our favorite time of the show, when we talk yes. about Lake beer. Monster Brewing and beer. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Brian, yes, traditional me- metrics aren't as important. Uh, actually, the only one that really gives counts is W's, and we have nine of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, on tap right now at Lake Monster, it is close to the same. There's a slight difference. They've got the hot apple cider ale back for if you want to go to the brewery itself in St. Paul, just across the river from uh, Minneapolis. So it's a short jump from the stadium. It's absolutely fabulous. Corda Tyler, he loves it, that hot apple cider ale. I have no idea what that would taste like. I love hot apple cider, but I've not had it as an ale. And uh, had warm ales, room temperature. I was stationed in England, used to that. But warm, I uh, don't know. Um, They have uh, pretty much the same thing as they did last week in their pints, their cans, you get everywhere. But they've uh, greatly, greatly expanded their non-alcohol, alcoholic selection with a CBD seltzer, which they've always had, the North Star. Oops, didn't mean to do that. Or that. Let's bring it up here. Uh, North Star Kombucha. uh, Kombucha. Kombucha. Remember Michael Floyd? Michael Floyd, yes. I almost put a picture of Michael Floyd up there because that's the first thing I thought of. Uh, They've got juice boxes for the kids. Uh, They've got soda from Northern Soda Company. And they've got a raspberry hard seltzer that's non-alcoholic. Well, if it's not alcoholic, how could you call it a hard seltzer? That's my question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Good point. That is what they have, and that is it. And that brings us... Two, theme three. And here you wanted to talk about K.J. Osborne. Yeah, every time you put that Lake Monster slide up, Dave, I get very thirsty. thirsty. And, and I think about like the care package I got uh, a month and a half ago yep. and the delicious beer I drank uh, from Lake Monster Brewing. Anyway, how uh, thanks out. again. Yeah, yeah, how I was out very quickly. Uh, but uh, on to other things. Yes, KJ Osborne. I uh, wanted to bring him up uh, maybe a little early, maybe we'd be thinking forwardly and thinking into next year when we haven't finished this year and we still don't know how this year is going to turn out but um you know kj osborne last year was a a bit of a breakout pleasant breakout player for the vikings uh we were all pleasantly surprised with the production that the vikings got out of him he gave us a viable number three wide receiver for the first time and i can't remember when and uh i was really looking forward to 
Um, we said in the preseason, uh, before the season started, I thought, you know, hey, this guy, uh, he, obviously he worked his butt off the previous year, made a big, big improve greatly. I was very enthused to see him uh, taking another leap. And looking at Adam Thielen's age and productivity, I thought that, you know, Osborne, I felt pretty good about him uh, uh, transitioning to be the number two guy wide receiver in a year or two for the Vikings. Well, especially in the Kevin O'Connell offense, the Rams offense, where they use uh, 11 personnel all the time, three wide receivers a lot. So KJ Osborne was going to get a lot of snaps and he has got a lot of snaps, but his production this year is way, way down compared to last year. Through 11 games, he's got 28 catches, 245 yards for two TDs. That's 8.8 yards per catch average. Last year in the, in the 17 games, he had 50 catches for 655 yards, seven TDs, uh, and his yard per catch average was 13.1. So a huge drop in his yard per catch average. And uh, other than the Buffalo game, He's only getting like two or three targets per game lately, David. But uh, is that because of his play or is that because of scheme? Now, the well, targets I think it's, for both. Yeah. I don't I don't think it's it's so much his play. I, I've seen some cut – there was a something on Twitter that kind of looked at like how often K.J. Osborne – actually, it was the Purple Pain forums. I think we had a uh, – somebody posted about how uh, they did a whole bunch of cut-ups of roots and showed how Osborne was open on all these roots, but they threw to somebody else. And that may be true, but it, looking at a lot of those cut-ups, everybody was open. <laughs> you know? but, but sometimes the quarterback doesn't – can't see you. They don't have time to see you uh, or, you know, the the, the – the play just wasn't you were the third option or something like that but uh the whether whatever the reason is kj osborne is not having building on the year that he had in 2021 and uh that's a bit worrisome for me because the other guy in this picture adam thielen is having uh mm-hmm. you know this year he's he's having a solid year uh, 54 catches 553 yards three tds but yeah you know, he's not the Adam Phelan from 2016, 2018. He hasn't come close to getting a 100-yard game this year. I don't think he had a 100-yard game last year. He's more of a possession guy now. He's also well over 30. Uh, will he be back next year at the salary that he's getting? I, I don't know. Um, there's a talk about Jalen Rager down there. We've got right. Rager. He, has, he hasn't really been a part of the offense at all. He got two snaps last game, had a nice catch but uh we don't know if Rhaegar is a guy that could be the the, the number two guy he hasn't mm-hmm. looked like it so far uh so it, it really it, it's worrisome because justin jefferson as great as he is and as durable as he is uh if he goes down for like a game or two or yes. three like where who is the it, adam Thielen's not a number one anymore uh <laughs> like uh, kj osborne has not emerged as a guy who can somewhat replace uh justin jefferson not that he could but like he he's, hasn't looked as like a number two uh, he couldn't slide into the number one i think our offense would really be compromised without uh, without justin jefferson in the lineup now duh, you know that's not much of a <laughs> that's not a, a news flash but osborne's lack of pro- productivity this season whether again scheme or his play uh, it's worrisome to me and it makes me think that the vikings are gonna they can't do anything about it this year because they're not you know they're not signing odell beckham jr <laughs> i don't think that's oh, happening <laughs> yeah, but, oh that's a 
It's a slight possibility, but yeah. So, but it, uh, maybe Vikings but, and Odell. It's all right, take all right. Take the money out of it. Take everything out of that. How? What do you think Odell would do in this offense right now? Well, he'd have to learn it uh, kind of first and get uh, acclimatized to the playbook and the players he's playing. So it might take a few games. He'd probably be before the playoffs yeah, before he really gets to but it's the same system speed. they ran in L.A. last year. Yes. He knows the playbook, That's true. basically. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I don't uh, – I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be displeased if the Vikings somehow picked up Oda Beckham Jr. He's Oda Beckham Jr., uh, even if he's not – like the 2016-17 Odell Beckham Jr. But um, but anyway, I don't think he's going to be here, which means that K.J. Osborne and Adam Thielen are your guys if, if Jeff- Jefferson goes down. But uh, I don't think there's much you can do about it this year, but I think it does point to uh, in 2023, particularly the draft, where the Vikings are going to have to look seriously at wide- drafting a wide receiver very early in the draft uh, because – they need a compliment to Justin Jefferson, and it ain't Adam Thielen anymore because he's either not going to be here or he's not the Adam Thielen that he used to be. And KJ Osborne has not looked like he can step up to be the number two guy. Uh, so uh, you're, you're looking at everybody's going to be, I think, screaming uh, that they want to. We need to draft defense, defense, defense in the in, in next April because of the way the defense has performed this year. But the Vikings might have to invest some pretty significant early draft pick in a wide receiver, and there's a lot of good ones in this uh, crop again this year. Uh, because uh, again, because we don't really, if JJ Jefferson goes, uh, Justin Jefferson goes down, who's the guy that can pick up the slack, some of the slack anyway, and keep the offense functioning? I don't think it's KJ Osborne, uh, and uh, you know Adam Thielen's better days are, you know, his best days are behind him. Uh, and Jarrell was bringing up a topic that a lot of people are about the whole screen game <laughs> and what's going they on there. Slow this year, right? Last year under the Kubiak system, screens were brilliant. This year, it seems screens are slower. I don't know if it's slow to take the linemen out. It doesn't seem that way. They seem to be out there anyways. I, it, they just seem slower. Uh, that I have to give to the Kubiak system. Screens under them looked a lot better than they do under Kevin O'Connell. And as a matter of fact, I can't stand them this year, especially behind the the line of scrimmage screens that are so bad. Don't know what it is, but uh, they do look, Jarrell, you are 100% correct. They do look worse this year than they have. One I'm, one thing that I'm surprised about, David, on the screen game is that uh, uh, is how – I don't want to say bad, but but the 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 I'm not not so much the screens to the running backs, which have looked ugly lately, but but to the wide receivers, whether it's Jefferson or Thielen or whatever, that's a that's a, a staple, a very effective uh, play in the Rams' offense under Sean McVay. It's a staple for the Green Bay Packers and for lots of teams. They get lots of mileage well, out of that yard after catch, and our we've got. We've got a, a guy who to, who like learned under Sean McVay, but our wide receiving screens are very ineffective, and I'm very surprised by that. Well, and in Thursday's game, there was the one to Adam Thielen that Adam didn't even turn around. Like he was like, "Yeah, I'm a target on this one." 
And it's it's weird because it literally was better under the Kubiak systems than it was than it has been this year. But it is odd because the Rams used uh screens quite effectively. It's just it's one of those odd things this year, and I don't know why. Um I, I don't either. Uh but, you know, getting back to, to K.J. Osborne again, I, I don't know. Uh, if you look at the Vikings roster and look at next year, um, again, like maybe Thielen's on the roster, maybe he isn't. But uh, is is Jalen Naylor a guy that's going to emerge? We don't know. I would say his draft uh, status in the sixth round would say it would be iffy. B.C. Johnson, what can you expect? probably going to be not be back on the team and uh, what do you expect from a guy off two major knee knee injuries in two consecutive years and then Jalen Rager is a huge mystery he really has had very little to no impact on the Vikings offense since we traded for him but maybe next year with a, a full season full on, on the team yeah uh that that he becomes a much bigger uh, part of the offense right now especially if you've gotten uh, you had to get rid of Adam Thielen for whatever reason and he has to play a bigger role uh, but I you know I kind of see right now where uh, we might be maybe we don't want to but we could be looking at uh, drafting a wide receiver in the first or second round of, of the draft next next April uh, when you know you, everybody's going to be like yeah we need nah. we need a nose tackle we need uh, some defensive ends nah, we need a, a quarterback you know? they're going to go cheap because they got just they Going to have to pay Justin Jefferson. Not that it's going to have to hit the cap next year, but expect his extension to come in sometime this offseason. It's going to be ginormous. Um, it is. It won't hit next year, but because the extension goes after year four. Um, but it's they'll go cheap. They'll go lower down. They'll hit other priorities. Maybe a quarterback to eventually replace Kirk Cousins. But before he turns into Matt Ryan, <laughs> before he turns into Matt Ryan. But hey, if Kirk leads us to the Super Bowl, he gives, he's got a contract for life. I'm cool with that. If he wins the Super Bowl, um, I'm I'm uh, I'm pulling for a KJ though to to snap. Uh, I shouldn't say snap out of it, but uh, I I don't feel what he did last year was was a mirage. Uh, but uh, yeah, for whatever reason, the production has not been there this year, and it uh, it does make me wonder about uh, what the Vikings are g- going to do at wide receiver uh, beyond 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll find out. Uh, there's always somebody. I'm not I'm not as worried about it as you are. Um, mm-hmm. I want to. F- I'm going to firm up some of the other positions first, but we'll see how it goes. That ends, that wraps this show. We've talked about the three things we said we're going to talk about. The next thing up is the New York Jets. We'll talk about them on next Saturday as we go against whoever is playing quarterback. Uh, Might be. Will it be Mike White? Will it be uh, Zach Wilson? Um, I'd prefer Wilson the way he's been playing. <laughs> yes, I think we all would. Yeah. Uh, hey there, Donnie. Welcome to the show. You're a little bit late, but that's okay. Um, um, <laughs> Rich, you don't get his if he takes us to the Super Bowl. If Cousins takes us to the Super Bowl, it is because of the change of attitude, and it is because he's taking. 
more fucking I'm throwing it down downrange um, rather than the short three yard dump offs that he has in the past. It's it's because of the attitude that'll do it. He's got to get hot now. Specifically to Kirk Cousins, his stats are down. Right, his across the board, his box score stats, his advanced stats are all down this year. Right, he's around nineteenth. Right, and everybody says, "Well, he's always a you know around top 10. No, he's nineteenth this year and all those. Well, if if that comes up with the change that he has in, fuck it, I'm going for the deeper throws. I'm going for the winning stuff that he has done. Right? How many fourth quarter comebacks has he had this year? Six. Six. That's more than I think his entire career. Right? It's an attitude thing. And if he takes us all the way to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl, and gets hot in January, February, fuck, I, I've said it a hundred times. I'll design and build a statue. I've never built a statue before. I'll start. But I'll definitely design that sucker, right? And I'll give my time and effort for free. I'll put hundreds of hours into that to make sure it's absolutely right. If he can take us to the Super Bowl and win that Super Bowl. And it's all about the attitude, and I think KOC, we talked about that at the very beginning. KOC is the one that's affecting that change. And I think it's a good thing. So, hey, you know me, how I feel about Kirk Cousins. I've been slamming him for years. I didn't want him on the team. So uh, if I'm buying off on this change, everybody else should. So, hey. If it's putting on the chains like Superman coming out of the telephone booth, by all means, do it. Getting fired up in that fourth quarter, by all means, do it. If that ends up in Arizona, he does that in Arizona, right, for the Super Bowl, are you going to complain? No. Everybody's going to be celebrating. We're going to be drunk for a week. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, that's just the way it goes. Um, Gerald said you'd scared her 49ers. D-line, yes, there's a reason to be. 49ers, good. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see them in the playoffs. And heating up. Mm -hmm. well, they got yeah. three wins in a row. Uh, yeah, GMAC, stats are up and wins are down. Or stats are down and wins are up. Yes. Is there a coincidence? Yes, I think it's, I think it's all mental. So, hell yes. Hell yes. Now, if you take that mental... Hey, I'm better now, and then raise up those stats for in January and February. He may be unstoppable. And that's hard for me to say, but <laughs> I want to see it, baby. I want to see it. Any last words there, Darren, as we wrap this Saturday show up? And it's a, hey, tomorrow, basically, I have the day off. I could sit and watch football and root for the tie in Green Bay and Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah uh, Dave did. No, uh, no real major final words, but um, it's just nine and two, and we got to see what happens next week. I think I'm uh, uh, again a prime opportunity at home with the Jets coming in, uh, a team that's that's good. 
uh, particularly on defense, uh, but not very good on offense. <clears throat> Interested to see how the Vikings respond again uh, in this one and whether they can have that one game finally where they don't have us biting their fingernails with four minutes left in the game and they can actually win by a couple of touchdowns or something. I'm still waiting for that game to happen. It hasn't happened since the season opener. I'd like to see it happen next week. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. With that, we're going to wrap this sucker up. I have some Christmas decorating to do. I hope everybody had a fabulous Thanksgiving here in the States. You guys had it a month ago. You obviously have Christmas decorating to do. And then you have a wonderful week. Get all your shopping done. Be safe. Be sound. What do we say? We say Skull Vikings, baby. Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.